Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to episode 256 of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Today we're going to talk about CBD, cannabidiol. One of the messages that we've delivered on Cannabis Health Radio is that there are a lot of scammers out there who will sell you inferior products in order to make a few dollars. And nobody knows that better than Corey. And that includes cannabis oil as well as CBD products. And it's happening worldwide. As many of you know, what you read on the label is not always what you get. And today we're going to talk to a representative of a company that analyzes and lab tests every product they sell to ensure that what is on the label is exactly what is in the container. And joining us from Tucson, Arizona is Austin Florschutz, the Director of Science for True Potency. Austin, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, spread some knowledge and uh, give your listeners some some good information. Austin, how did you get involved in the cannabis industry? So, it, I'll try to keep it to a short story. But uh, in undergrad, one of the labs I worked in um, was focused on um, synthesizing new non-addictive painkillers. As I'm sure many listeners are aware, you know, we, we kind of have this opioid epidemic ongoing where we have, you know, huge amounts of addiction and death associated with these prescription painkillers as well as, you know, other illicit street drugs that are opioids. And so my, my realm was kind of in, you know, trying to find something for chronic pain that was non-addictive. And I kind of took that into graduate school as well, where I joined a neuropharmacology lab it was kind of focused on um, looking at how the brain processes chronic pain, how we kind of slip into addiction, and other ways of you know helping control this chronic pain. Um, and one of those ways was with cannabinoids. So um, we use synthetic ones, but we also had you know CBD and THC up our sleeve as well. Um, so that's kind of how I uh, transitioned into the cannabis realm from kind of the science and academic side of things. Now, I was surprised to, to read on your website that 20% of the products that your company tests um, do not pass your standards. Take us through exactly what you do and, and what you find in some of these products that you test. Right. So um, one of the first things is just kind of a, a brand matching. You know, we want to see does this company actually you know, publicly host their test results? Are they trying to be transparent? Um, you know, just kind of feeling the water out. And how it kind of works is we reach out to the company and we say, hey, we have this website where we test these products and we're interested in carrying um, what you have. And so they'll send us their products. And when we get them in, we actually will blind them so that whoever is testing this doesn't know what company it's coming from. They don't know what the strength is supposed to be um, because there, there can be some, some bias in the industry and um, a little bit of shadiness that we can go into if you're interested. Um, but we, we send those blinded samples into these labs for testing. 
And so, as you kind of mentioned, there are a lot of bad products out there. And one highlight of that was a 2017 study that was published um, out of the University of Pennsylvania. And they essentially have very similar to results to what we have, um, stating that about 30% of products aren't what they say they are. And this can mean different things. Um, so maybe it's just a, an incorrect amount of CBD. So let's say a label shows that there's a thousand milligrams in there, but when we test it, it only has say 700 milligrams. Now it's, that's probably not dangerous by any means, but you know, you're getting ripped off. And especially for someone who's trying to use these um, products as, as medicine, as real, you know, something to help them with whatever ails them, um, they need, you know, correct dosing. Now there's also other issues that, you know, pop up, you, you test, have to test for pesticides and heavy metals um, or microbes and mycotoxins that might have come from the actual plant in the field um, where they were growing this at. So those are other, you know, important factors that we take into account. Um, one other thing that can be very big for people is THC content. Now, some people are just very sensitive to THC and they don't want to get high, while other people, um, their employers have, you know, drug tests that they have to take and they don't care whether you test positive because you took a CBD product or because you smoke, you know, a pound of marijuana a week or something like that. So we want to make sure that those products that say they don't have THC in it don't have THC so that um, somebody who that's an important factor for can get something that they actually want. And we've found, you know, pitfalls in just about every single one of those tests that I, that I mentioned from pesticides to heavy metals to having THC in a CBD product um, all the way up and down the line. Um, now, the most common thing we do see is usually a mismatch in the CBD content, which, you know, again, it's probably not the most dangerous thing in the world to have, you know, a, a wrong amount of CBD that's, you know, slightly off. But from a consumer point of view, that, you know, calls into question just overall quality assurance of um, what they're actually using. So I, I don't want to keep rambling here. So I hope that's no, no, this is um, great. Kind of no, this, is, this is really important for people to be hearing, Austin. So yeah. we appreciate all of this rambling. So yeah, cool, Austin. What are some of the um, ingredients that you have found in in these products that don't pass these standards? Yeah, I mean, most of the time it's just kind of those general categories that we saw. So. Um, Usually it's heavy metals, like we saw some arsenic and some topical products. Um, we saw a little bit of lead in um, one of the capsules that we tested. Um, we've only had, I think, two products that showed pesticides. Um, and so those have kind of been trickled through. We've, we've tested right around, I would say, about 350 products. And I would say that those make up a smaller majority of mm -hmm. non-passing um, whereas larger majority of products that we consider non-passing um, are due to wrong CBD content. And right now our um, range kind of fits with that um, University of Pennsylvania study that I mentioned. So in their study, they used a 10% um, range. So that would mean that um, if a bottle was labeled as a thousand milligrams, if it contained between 900 and 1100 milligrams, that would be still considered passing. But if you're outside of that, um, it's not considered passing. And this is actually fairly similar to the supplement market in the, that's regulated by the um, USDA here. Mm -hmm. um, so the supplements are a little bit 
broader. I think it's 20% on supplements here in the U.S. Um, but realistically, when we're, when we're talking about some something that somebody's using for medication for over-the-counter drugs, essentially, is what we're looking at this as, um, we, we probably want stricter standards than what's used for supplements. Austin, while we're talking about percentages here, what is the average, you know, I know what you're, you know, I understand the whole ML thing, but what is the average, would you say, overall percent of CBD present in these products? Yeah, so the kind of the lower end range um, is right around probably about 10 milligrams per milliliter, and the higher end comes in around 100 milligrams per milliliter. And a simple conversion there um, for going from milligrams per milliliter to percent is to just move the decimal place one to the left. So a 100 milligram per milliliter um, concentration would be 10%, whereas a 10 milligram per milliliter bottle would be a 1%. 1%. So, you yeah. know, I want to share a story with you that that uh, happened to me. I, I had a woman call me up who had purchased some CBD to take for arthritis. And she said she wasn't seeing any relief whatsoever from it. All it was doing was making her tired. And I said, gee, that's strange. I mean, all the people that I've worked with uh, that have used CBD for arthritis get incredible results. So I said, you know, are you in a state where you can get a tested? And she got it tested. It came back showing trace, quote, trace amounts of CBD. All the rest was melatonin. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's a sad story it's, uh, that kind of points out the state of the industry. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a great anecdote. I, I'll probably share that with other people as well because, uh, yeah, that's not good, not good for the consumer um, or for anybody for that matter. No, and then the other thing too is then these are the people that go, well, CBD doesn't work, doesn't do anything, yeah, you know, that's right. because, yeah. they're getting, because they're getting a crappy product. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of see um, that a lot too. I mean, that's one of the main, you know, downfalls of this is, you know, people will try and say, oh, it doesn't work. Well, there's a lot of different types of CBD products out there. Even if you are getting a quality product, uh, a CBD isolated product, which is a product having only CBD, might not actually work as good as, say, a full spectrum Full product. spectrum, exactly. And also, so, this isn't like taking a Tylenol. Sometimes you need to take this for a while before you see the changes. Exactly. And and like a lot of other medications, too, I'm sure you know people have had to try different dosaging or different brands or different um, types of the same medication to kind of find something that works right for you. Mm-hmm. And this is no different. Um, you know, maybe CBD doesn't work for somebody, but maybe they just didn't find the right dosage. Um, so one of the, you know, main kind of points that gets kind of passed around is, you know, start low and go slow. So start with a small amount and kind of work your way up to see what might work for you. And I know that you've probably um, mentioned this on the the podcast before, but that's kind of um, you know finding your own level. We we're all unique. We have our own biologies, mm-hmm. and uh, one one thing I like to point out is you know caffeine and coffee. There's some people who you know they can drink three cups of coffee in the morning, and that's just to like get their eyes open. Ian's pointing at me. I don't know why he's pointing at me. That's Corey. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's other people who can't drink coffee, right? I mean, they take a couple sips and they're super jittery all day. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of this unique biology that where we kind of have to find our own um, level. 
And I, I do want to make a point on that full spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do want to bring up a little science into this, but um, they did a meta-analysis, which is essentially looking at the aggregate of multiple studies. And they did this meta-analysis on clinical trials where they were using CBD for epilepsy. So in the U.S., CBD is um, in its form is Epidiolex as the FDA-approved drug, and it's the only FDA-approved drug that is CBD. But this meta-analysis looked at um, studies that used isolated CBD, so only CBD, or CBD-rich extract, meaning it was mostly CBD, but there were some of the other cannabis components in there. And their conclusion was that you could actually use about four times less CBD and get the same relief from your seizure symptoms. So that that really kind of shows you as far as trying to find the right dosage, trying to find the right product. You know, you might not be using the right product for what might be beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. And what might be best for, say, seizures or pain might not be good for um, mood disorders like anxiety or depression. So it, it, we're trying to fi- figure out the pharmacology, and there's not a lot of clear um, dosing strategies or, um, I guess, medication strategies right now. So we're hopefully medicine will catch up soon with this. Austin, for those people who may be unfamiliar with some of the benefits of CBD, can you go through a, a list and, and tell us uh, exactly what we're looking at? Yeah. Well, to be on the more pessimistic side, if you want to be very strict about it, the only FDA approved drug here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, that CBD is approved for is actually seizures. Now, there is a lot of clinical trials going on, and these can range from chronic pain is one major one. Um, There's also a FDA approved drug called Sativex, which is a one-to-one THC to CBD. And this is used for chronic pain and spasticity and multiple sclerosis. Um, There are many studies looking at CBD for substance use disorders. So these substances would be things like um, alcohol or cocaine or methamphetamines or especially opioids for sure. Um, They're looking at some of these things. Um, Even psychosis for um, schizophrenia, um, bipolar, some anxiety and depression type things. One study I remember off the top of my head, um, they used, they found that um, an isolated dose of 300 milligrams of CBD helps those who are phobic for public speaking. So if you give them CBD, they aren't quite as phobic when they're speaking in public mm-hmm. and they actually have less negative thoughts about themselves and their performance afterwards. Now, like I said, you know, the only FDA approved drug is for seizures. And some of these are kind of dancing around what it might be good for. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of keep listing off some things that, you know, it might yeah. be good for, but we really need more evidence. And one of those is, you know, cancer and tumor growth. Now, the available evidence, you know, might suggest that it reduces tumor uh, metastasis. So it, it might keep it from spreading, but we don't necessarily think that CBD by itself um is, you know, killing cancer. Mm-mm. Now we, we really do need more studies. And again, you know, it's, it's all very preliminary. Um, and I don't want to, you know, say that, you know, if you do have cancer, the first thing you should go out and try is CBD, but it's in the literature. They are looking at it and they're actually looking at using some of these cannabinoids in conjunction with standard chemotherapy agents, um, to where you can actually, 
use them together and use lower dosage of each to actually get the same effect from it. Mm. There's so much misinformation about out there about CBD, which is uh, makes it nice that we're having you on. But one of the biggest things that I find in what I do is the number of people that think CBD alone will kill cancer. And it's my experience that not once have I seen that happen, that you definitely need those other cannabinoids as well. Yeah, and I, I'd like to share a quick um, story about that. So I, I listened to this lecturer, um, I'm trying to remember his name, from, from Israel, where there's Raphael a lot of... Raphael Matulam? Really, no, it, uh, it's, I think his first name is Deddy, and he goes by David, um, and his last name starts with an M. It's like Meridi or something like that. Um, I, I can get it to you afterwards if you're interested, but he, he talked at University of Arizona and one of the interesting things that they did is they tried different strains of cannabis and they found that, you know, one strain might be good for um, killing tumors and breast cancer cells, whereas this other strain might be good for killing prostate cancer cells. And this is all in a dish, so they're not doing this in people. But um, what they did is they took those different strains and they started to purify things out of them and isolate various forms of different cannabinoids and, and whatnot. And they actually found that, you know, different combinations of different cannabinoids would probably be better for this cancer versus that cancer. Mm-hmm. And they actually have available in Israel a very deep um, medical cannabis strain kind of library that have been very much um, hashed out as to what compounds are in them. So if you want something to complement your breast cancer therapy, you get this particular strain to that has, um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to say these cannabinoids correctly as far as the exact ones, but let's say that this particular strain has CBG, CBC, and THCV in there. And they found that these three cannabinoids are the ones that are really good for breast cancer. And so they've actually shown that you can do, they've taken a whole plant extract and thrown it on these breast cancer cells and and killed them. And then they showed where they pulled out only three cannabinoids from that extract and put them on the cells and got the exact same result. And so this, again, is very preliminary, but we are trying to get to these conclusions on which of these cannabinoids are good for what and in what combination too. And it's not going to be a a one-size-fits-all by any means. As most people are aware, you know, cancer can be really variable. Even with breast cancer, you have, you know, her positive and her negative and some of these other molecular markers that make um, these different diseases, even though they're similar, different. Yeah, well, definitely the treatment is different if you're dealing with a triple negative breast cancer versus, you know, hormone-driven or HER2. So, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Austin, I want to ask you a question about uh, CBD availability in the U.S. because you said there is only one CBD product that uh, is has been approved by the FDA. Did I have that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, as well, a, as a pharmaceutical, as a, as a pharmaceutical, yeah, as a prescription drug, as a prescription drug. So under the Farm Bill of 2018, CBD Americans can consume CBD products, correct? That is correct. Um, we we are still a little bit in a gray area. Um, we are still kind of waiting for some finalized rules and regulations. Um, but that's where part of the issue does come in is because we are lacking a little bit of rules and regulations. So in Canada with the Cannabis Act, 
if you go to a licensed place, they have to have all of those safety testing that I kind of mentioned earlier with the pesticides and heavy metals, making sure that the CBD is the correct amount. But here in the U.S., that's not actually required. So anybody can sell CBD basically anywhere without a license, and they don't have to have that tested to um, make sure that that's a legitimate product. And, and so there's even multi-level marketing with CBD. Oh yeah, there, there's MLM everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's definitely scary, as we kind of mentioned. You know, if you have heavy metals or pesticides in there, if it has the correct amount of CBD, I wouldn't want to take that product because there's other things in there that would probably completely counteract whatever benefit you might get from it. Wow, Austin, what's the difference between CBD and hemp seed oil? Yeah, that's a great question because um, my mom actually fell into this trap when uh, before I actually started working for this company. Um, but hemp seed oil actually, as the name suggests, comes from the seed of the hemp plant. They do an extraction from the seeds, whereas CBD oil um, comes from the grown plant itself, the flower plant. And that's not to say that hemp seed oil is bad. It actually has a lot of good um, fatty acids in there, omega-3s and vitamins and minerals. But if you're looking for CBD, you're not going to get it in that product. Um, So there is a lot of deceptive marketing. And if you go on, say, Amazon.com and you look for hemp oil, a lot of those are just hemp seed oil and contain no CBD. Because actually under um, Amazon's rules and regulations, they don't uh, allow CBD products. Um, although there are people who sneakily try to get um, their quote-unquote illegal product in there. So so that's where the shadiness comes in. Yeah, very very much so. There's, And again, my mom fell into that trap too. She was like, hey, I'm trying this CBD oil and it's not doing anything for me. It's not helping my anxiety. I'm, I'm really stressed right now. I could use a little help. And I was like, well, you know, what what product do you have? And she sent me a picture and showed me the ingredients. And I was like, well... I hate to tell you, Mom, but that doesn't have any CBD in there. Uh, Well, Austin, um, she's not in that boat alone. I have talked to a number of people that have told me they're on CBD, and it turns out to be hemp seed oil. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of them. Everyone's jumping on the the bandwagon, and, um, you know, there's a lot of fly-by-night companies that are probably not going to be around in the next couple of years or hopefully won't be around, Um, although there will always be, you know, some deceptive marketing and kind of shady characters out there in the, in the marketplace. You know, I go to the gym uh, a number of times a week, and there was a fellow in there who was complaining about pain in his elbow, and uh, he went to physiotherapy, nothing worked. Uh, he tried some of these commercial uh, painkillers, and they weren't working. So I said, have you tried CBD oil, uh, the, uh, CBD cream? And he said, no. Uh, But a couple of weeks later, he says, you know what? I tried that CBD cream, and my arm feels so much better. It lessened the pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, do you smoke it? Oh, no, I wouldn't smoke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's actually a very common um, uh, kind of sentiment that we've seen around. uh, We do some public education events here in Tucson Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and we, we definitely get that sentiment where it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to eat a gummy or I don't want to take a pill or anything. But, you know, that, that topical seems pretty safe. Like that's, you yeah. know, it's something that I can try. And, you know, I'm not worried about getting high. Um, 
even though, you know, getting high is a little bit of a misconception with CBD, we, we still kind of have that um, misinformation of, oh, it's, it's marijuana. So it's going to, you know, make me sit on the couch and eat munchies for a couple hours after I yeah. do this. Um, but yeah, that, that's one seems a little bit more safe for people to kind of try out. They're used to, you know, like icy hot and other kind of pain creams or rubs that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, might be a little more tame for them. But yeah, I mean, to try to get, especially, um, localized relief, a lot of people do find these topicals are very beneficial. Yeah. It's a lot of people. I, I don't understand, uh, human beings, uh, they will take anything the doctor prescribes, but when you suggest cannabis, all of a sudden their hands go up and they don't want to take that drug because it's illegal. Remember the woman you were talking to, Corey? Mm -hmm. But she would take the pharmaceutical drugs. No problem, yeah. yeah. That, that Oxycontin and uh, oh, fentanyl. It was fentanyl, fentanyl morphine and something yeah. else. She said, because they're safe drugs. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. They're safe drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Fentanyl is very safe. <laughs> I say, as I say so, that's sort of Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, where do you see the CBD market going in the next uh, five to 10 years? Well, I think with the, again, I, I mentioned kind of the grayness that we're in right now as far as um, strict rules and regulations. I think we'll see some actual um, moving forward on that as far as getting quality products out there, kind of pushing out the people who are um, kind of the more shady end of it that aren't testing their products that are making poor quality products. Um, I, I really think that quality of product is going to go up and I really want to see, and I believe that there's a lot of research going on right now, um, including in my old lab and in Israel where we're going to see a lot of um, more benefits and more solid research on CBD. Um, but I, I, you know, we still need to have, you know, a little bit of caution with everything as always, you know, there are, there's people kind of on both sides of this where it's like the people might've gotten bad CBD and they think it's snake oil. And there's other people that think it's, you know, a gift from God and it's the ultimate, you know, medication. Whereas in reality, it's probably somewhere in the middle and it's just kind of science trying to catch up and figure out, you know, what is this actually useful for and, and what is it actually beneficial for and what is it not? Yeah, the key, but, in, the key in all of this is education, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really think that as the public becomes more educated, as we do more education ourselves, as we have better rules and regulations to give confidence to the public, um, that we will see a larger acceptance of cannabis-based medicine, whether it's CBD or a lot of these other cannabinoids that we're finding out about as well. Um, but I think I see positive things, hopefully, um, with higher quality products, with more information and, and science and research being done around this. Austin, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we very much appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a great time, and um, I, I kind of wish we had a, another 30 minutes to talk, too. Yeah, it went fast. Thank you so much, Austin. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I want to advise listeners that we need some help in uh, promoting our podcast. And here's the reason why. Facebook has shadow banned Cannabis Health Radio's Facebook page. And we get the majority of our referrals to our website from uh, Facebook. So if people don't know that they are getting, uh, that we are posting stuff on our newsfeed, then uh, they they're not listening to our podcasts. 
So shadow banning is simply Facebook's algorithm deletes or doesn't post information that uh, we post on Facebook. And here's an example. Uh, yesterday, I posted an article on shadow banning and asked for Facebook followers to give us assistance and uh, gave a definition of shadow banning, told them that our activity on Facebook, Cannabis Health Radio Facebook page, has dropped dramatically over the last probably a month and a half. And uh, so then I posted a picture with the post uh, that said shadow banning Facebook censorship and hit post. Okay, it came up in the news feed, so I thought that was great. So then I switched over to the Facebook page, nothing. I thought, how can that happen? Flip back to the news feed, the post was gone. Facebook deleted it. So that is essentially what shadow banning is. We post our podcasts on our Facebook page because it has the word cannabis in it. Somehow people aren't receiving notification. And you know this from first-hand example of the uh, page that you moderate. Yeah, that's correct. Um, a lot of these cannabis pages are, are being blocked. So I run a, a advice page, Phoenix Tears Cannabis Oil Advice, um, and there are days that I can't even find the page. I have to go through my news feed to find that, you know, so-and-so is asked to join. Then I can get in. So one of the things that you can all do is to copy the URL of Cannabis Health Radio on Facebook page once you're in that page. And keep that at hand. That's one way that you'll be able to get in. But if anybody knows any ways around this issue, it sure would be great. They're not targeting just us. It's everybody that has anything that mentions cannabis, cannabis in the title. Right. Yeah. So, and it's it's sporadic. Some people can find it, some people can't, and then it's on again, off again. Uh, I know that uh, Jindrick Bayer tried to find our Facebook page yesterday and he got that, what did it say, Ian? Could not be found. Could not be found, yeah. So, uh, if anybody's got some advice to how to get around that, uh, we'd be delighted to hear from yeah, you. Yeah, we'd very much appreciate it. And that's the end of our rant. So we thank you for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.